0: Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And we have a very special episode for you today. Every episode is special because we do something (laughs) different every single episode. So I don't want to seem like I'm uh, speaking in hyperbole where I say every episode is special, but it is. Um, Today we've got, um, we've moved Jess's... Jess, (laughs) J- Jess, <laughs> why my, my wife. Your wife? No, we moved Jake's. Why am I confusing you with my wife? <laughs> is the real question.
1: <laughs> we don't talk about that outside the studio.
0: So we we've moved the uh, the history episodes to Monday. So we've got one of those for you today, right? And it is Lamborghinis. We've attempted to distill the entire essence of Lamborghini into an episode on our podcast. I've been struggling with this. Yeah, so I'm not sure how much Jake has to say. I haven't heard any of this. I kind of got a Lamborghini book ahead of this, and I kind of read through this book. I uh, So I went and I typed history of Lamborghini okay. into... Amazon, I'm like, oh, that one's $8 used, and I bought it. Turns out it's from, like, 1974.
1: <laughs> Which is only, like, half of the history of yeah, Lamborghini. Yeah, so it's, like,
0: really early in the Countach. The Mira had been out, obviously. Yep. And, but, so it was kind of neat to see, like, what somebody wrote about Lamborghini, you know, 40 years ago, as in the complete history <laughs> of Lamborghini, I- the, com- country, the company's been off for like 10 years or something like that, and they are already writing a history of it or whatever.
1: That is ironic because that is kind of the early history is what I focused on more with yeah. this. So if you read the book, you're probably just going to get the same info from me as well. Well, it's only
0: like 20 pages, and the rest is just pictures because it was written for Americans. So that's, that's about, that's about <laughs> Our all of it. short that there attention is. span. Yeah, yeah. So, well, if you think about it, the, the later history of Lamborghini is interesting, but once you get into like the Diablo SV and beyond. Then it gets bought out by Volkswagen. It's like Eh, yeah, I'll it's, skim
1: yeah, it's, some it's, of it. It's
0: like Lamborghini at that Man. point.
2: <laughs> <laughs> or Audi
0: Guinea or something Audi like Gini. that. I like yeah, that. So, uh, yeah, so we're going to do that. We're going to talk a little bit about um, some things that I wanted to talk about, and then we're okay. going to talk about some news. Maybe do. This is all maybe, depending on how long this is. And maybe a Craigslist car. of The week that I've been saving because I really like the car. It's probably sold, probably gone. We're going to do it anyway.
1: Oh, okay. We're so, finally going to get it to this. Yes.
0: Yeah, so, um, before just, all that,
1: what's new, what's going on so with I you? So I
0: decided that I should not own a truck. Well, okay. I, I So you have a
1: Tahoe? I do.
0: I have a 2011 Tahoe. One I drove it all the way to Milwaukee and back and I did not enjoy having to lumber that thing around on the freeway. Why? For, it just it's huge. It it's not responsive. It's it, it's weaving in and out of traffic is difficult. <laughs> Braking's like you I be have Weaving I, in and out of traffic not I'm not well. It's a loose weave. It's not okay, a tight a weave. It's a loose weave. <laughs> weave. And I'm and I was like, we had the cruise control on, and you go up these hills in Wisconsin. And it's like downshifting to go oh, up yeah. the hills. Like, man, this thing is like heavy. It's probably it's six thousand something car. And I'm like, nope, I'm all done. Plus, the uh, I find myself doing bad things. Okay, in the truck like roundabouts who cares just, just drive over straight. them well they have the curbs in the middle are always slanted for yeah. all the people that go, oh my god i don't know what to do in a roundabout and then they run over <laughs> i'm like nah i'm just gonna drive so i was i was just there was like there was like 10 of them in a row on this highway by my parents house and it was late and uh-huh. i'm like nah and i just drove over just go boom, 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 boom just every single one of them and uh i was with jess like a couple weeks ago we went to ikea and uh we were stuck in traffic and we had to get home to pick up my daughter from school or be okay. there for when the bus dropped her off. So it was like time critical. It's too okay. late. She's already on the bus. We can't say, hey, we'll pick her up. It's like emergency. Like, get home okay. now. And took a wrong turn and, uh-huh. I'm in, and I'm in this metered traffic and one ramp before, like maybe half a mile earlier, had went one way and it kind of comes back around where this ramp is. Uh-huh. Like, kind of curves next to it, but it's a, it's a pretty, I would say it's like a, maybe like a 25% grade hill, maybe a 30% grade hill. And I'm sitting in this meter traffic and I'm looking up there and there's no traffic there in the place that I was supposed to go. And Jess just goes, you should just drive up there. You've got a truck. And she was kidding. <laughs> but I went for it. So oh. I just I, I clicked it in a four-wheel drive uh-huh. and I just drove up this hill. And I bet everybody was like, what the F is that a-hole doing? And you did this. And I did this. And I'm like, and it felt amazing. I was like, yes, this was the solution that I was <laughs> looking for the entire time. So then I started doing more of these type of things. Like over by my buddy's shop, there's uh-huh. like you can't turn left because there's a median in the way. Right. There's not a median. Then. No. My, not, my truck can't just drive right. over. And so it's. I'm like. So you're starting to get it. I don't think these are bad things. I like this. I kind of like it too, but I don't like 18 miles per gallon. Uh. And I'm. As we talked about in the other episode, I'm really frustrated with my snowmobile trailer and my snowmobile's broken anyway. <laughs> so I think what I'm going to do is I've got probably about three to five thousand dollars in equity in the truck. Okay. so I own it for fifteen. It's worth about twenty. Uh huh. Why don't I? So I when I was out, uh, I'm probably getting ahead of myself here. I was just out in California. Yeah. Then I was looking for cars to drive home, yeah. and I found a, a 1983 Mercedes 300 diesel. No rust. Runs right. great. Runs like brand new, the guy says. Everything works. Has decent tires. It was $1,800. bucks. i am like, I'll just buy this thing and drive it home. Okay. But I didn't because I had to be home. I had to be in Chicago. So if anything happened on the way. Which we know things frequently happen yes, on your they, they frequently happen. So I was like, no, nah, I better not do this. But now I'm like, man, that would be so much more fun than driving around this truck that's very nice. It's a very nice truck. It, right. Everything works, which is a big which plus. Which you don't
1: like, actually. <laughs> I don't know. You can't martyr yourself in like no, it's, <laughs> but Oh, one thing that
0: doesn't work on this what? is the, the moving the seat forward only sometimes works. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had Dropped my, I dropped my phone. Yes. I dropped my phone in between the seat and the center console. Oh, that's And I was worst. like, oh, yeah, no problem. So I just, I just moved the seat all the way back.
1: While like, you're driving with the cruise no, no, control no, no, on. No,
0: no, no. no, no. I was, I was well, hopefully about. the seat goes back up by the time I get to that stoplight. So I'm basically like Shaquille O'Neal spec in the truck. And I go down reach my phone. There it is. Grab it. Go to move the seat forward. Doesn't move. So I'm like just, like, moving the button back and (laughs) forth, and finally I got the thing to move all the way forward again. I was like, holy shit, I was, like, two hours away from where I needed to be, and I couldn't reach the (laughs) pedals at all. I'm just like, you experience this on a regular basis. Right, Maybe me not so much, (laughs) but... (laughs) <laughs> just like I could kick my feet around. Like I was like it's like my kid was sitting on the seat, like not being able to reach the pedals. So that's the only thing that's wrong with it. So I think, you know, I think it's time to let it go. I don't really
1: <laughs> How long have you had this truck?
0: I don't have the title yet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so pretty average for your ownership.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's it's not fun. It's not interesting. You've There's, had a
1: Tahoe before. A couple of them, I
0: believe. I did what what, so what I had you a, expecting? I Why had is a po- this a
1: surprise?
0: <laughs> well, it was a newer Tahoe, but it's way heavier, even though it has more horsepower. It is a lumbering barge. It really needs the 6-liter engine, I think, Kay. to be an acceptable truck. Because is it this? is, It's a
1: 5.3. Oh, sure. So the 6-liter has V8. the
0: big cathedral port heads and everything. It's Yo. it's 400 horsepower, whatever it is, 380. I have, I have, have the, no idea. Does this have
1: the cylinder deactivation?
0: Yes. And which you I, still only get 18, huh? Seventeen or eighteen? Yeah, it only does that on diesel downhills. Oh, is the only time it ever turns it off.
1: That's kind of silly. Well, it
0: has to downshift going up a hill. So how could it probably can't <laughs> even? It couldn't even maintain speed on flat ground with four cylinders. There's no way. So I don't like it. I'm all done. It's okay. a really nice truck,
1: but I'm out. So, I'll, I'll, you know, for your snowmobile trailer, you have well, you had two diesel Volkswagens that have a ton of torque. It's more about being able to move. In In the snow. snow. (laughs) Well, the thing is, I had a
0: minivan for a little while. Yeah. Shame. Shame point in my life. I had a minivan for a little bit, because I'm like, oh, I got a kid's minivan. Great. Sure. Okay. And and I had the snowmobile trailer hooked up to that. Yeah. And with the tongue weight on the rear, it pulled the weight off the front even a little bit.
2: Yeah, it was awful.
0: (laughs) I mean, I do have snow tires, so maybe it could work, but I don't know. I'm just
1: trying to come up with creative solutions here.
0: Yeah. Something
1: all wheel drive. How about an all road? I could see you in an all road.
0: That's I I think I would kill myself being frustrated with an all road. Why? That 2.7 engine and all the air ride, the air ride and stuff. I don't
1: know. 2.7, six speed chipped.
0: You like things that
1: break so you can fix them.
0: That's perfect Yeah, but I don't like that engine in the first place. No? No, I'm not a big fan. Yeah. Not a big fan. Just from being around Chad's shop, and they're always there. (laughs) Or they were before when there was more of them. They're always there. There Turbos are going out. you got to pull the motor out of the thing. That does happen. It's just, nah, no. So what I was going to do is put it out there to everybody. I'm probably going to spend around $3,000. I do have a 2.7 story, actually, I was just reminded of. Let me finish. Go ahead. $3,000. Find me a car. So once I get the title for the truck, I'm going right. to sell it, and then I'll have $3,000. So maybe don't like, bombard me yet, but start thinking about it. Okay. And maybe we can find something fun. I, I love old Mercedes. I, I haven't driven enough of them to, to, not, to be tired of them yet. Okay. So maybe like a 190 would be cool. I'd really like like a 190. Um, hmm. One of my friends just picked one of those up for 1000 bucks and really clean in Jewish racing gold. And right. It's, it's, I really like those. They're bo- just boxy enough. I like him way better than the other I still think this
1: time of year you need something all wheel drive.
0: You I, I don't. I've got the wagon, it's got snow tires on it. I'll, i the know. only time I'm really gonna come into the city is to record the podcast with you. Right. And to go hang out at the shop with my buddies. So are you getting rid of your snowmobiles? I don't know. <laughs> I still have to put a water pump in one of them and I don't really want to. And I think maybe I'll be able to con my friend Nathan, who I snowmobile with almost right. every time when I go, to just picking me up in his truck with his trailer. <laughs> And put my snowmobile on his trailer. So That's my hope. And he doesn't listen to the podcast. I don't oh, think so. I can good. just yeah.
1: Nathan doesn't listen to the podcast. He doesn't
0: listen to podcasts. There's lots of people that just resist. They're like, yeah, I don't listen to podcasts. I'm like, there's all these great things out there. What are you? T-? I I just don't. I don't do it. So what do you listen to? I listen to K Fan. I'm like, you could listen to a K to K Fan with no commercials <laughs> on their podcast, right? But
2: Mandoned. some people just okay.
0: they just don't do it. So anyway, that's um, what's going on with me. Oh, one more thing. I so. Mm-hmm. I was debating on whether I should talk about this or not, but I had a I had a confrontation with somebody, and I'm going to leave it anonymous, okay. and they don't probably don't listen to the podcast anyway, so it doesn't really matter. They might have, but they certainly don't anymore. If they did previously, okay. So I made a post on Instagram about uh, someone asked me what I thought about the nine twelve, and what did I say?
1: I vaguely remember this. Yeah.
0: So I sent it to you. What did I say? I said um, I'd rather just have a nine fourteen. Just goes to show the whole movement isn't necessarily about how the cars drive. I've never driven a nine twelve, but I can't imagine buying one over an SC or a mid year nine eleven. Now that's based on um, just the fact that for a little bit money, a little bit more money, mm-hmm. you could have a nine eleven, right? Rather than a nine twelve, which is, you know, in some cases a, a lot less. In all cases, a lot less horsepower. <laughs> yes. And um so I never really got into the nine twelve thing. I understand that's like a it's more of an entry level way to get into a Porsche. It and would I, and make I, sense if they were still that much cheaper. But they're exactly not. but they're not. So if they were like ten grand or eight grand, right. yeah, do it. And what I would probably do, and I was looking to, uh at doing this was putting a nine eleven engine in it. Right. And exactly. Being done. So I got this. This message it says, really? You've never driven an I-12? So your opinion should be kept until you have experience. You have become an influence within the com- comic community, but you do not deserve it, young man. Very disappointed. Young man? Young man. So I was just like... Is this
1: person old going to call I'm, you young man? I'm not
0: going to say anything about who it is because it doesn't matter. I'm just curious uh, if so young this, man is, is So this entire thing is what people do is they have like these... These little niches that they love so much and that they feel like they have to, they have to like Defend. defend, but you don't have to do that. It's okay. It's okay that you love 912s and 912 engines and you, and you love them so much. I don't have to. You know
1: what, Chris? Opinions are like assholes and you have a big one. (laughs)
2: <laughs> mm, yeah, I suppose.
1: I, so basically what I said was I don't mind slow
0: cars. I would love to have a nine fourteen or a three fifty six, driving it or not. I just don't see a reason to do a nine twelve, and you can have a mid year nine eleven for similar investment.
1: Right. It's it's the money factor that I agree with. And he just in says he equation. says
0: fuck you, Chris, and then he blocked me. Oh, and I was just like, wow, I just didn't understand. What so I wanted you. <laughs> To maybe give me feedback. Did, do I do I owe the community to, like, am I carrying water for no, different... No, I don't think like, so. Okay, so I'm not crazy. I don't think that
1: highly of you enough to think you're that influential. Right,
0: like, I don't either. Like, I feel like it's just... I just say my opinion, and maybe that gets me... It has gotten me in trouble right. many, many times, but I think this was pretty fair.
1: Yeah, I think he was just being ridiculous. Okay, all right. I would agree, at least the way you presented it. I'm sure if you... Well, expanded, I read it to you. No, no I know, yeah. you're right. So, I would...
0: The thing is, is, I would rather have a 912 or a 356, because that's what was supposed to and intended to come in those cars. Right. You know, when you drive a 356, you're kind of like, yeah, okay, this is cool. I'm driving a 356. I r- want to
1: drive, yeah, 356.
0: I've, I'm, I'm sorry. I've ridden in them. I have not driven yeah. them. I have driven Glenn's 914. And he's like, "Well, it's probably going to be disappointing for you." Yeah, I gave him my car and I drove his, and I'm like, "Whatever, I just want to drive it," mm-hmm. and I had a blast. It was right. so fun. I really enjoyed it. I didn't care that it was slower. You know, I I enjoyed running through the gears, and I liked the seating position, and it was all really, really good. But that's because it was completely different. From my car, other than the, you know, it's a Porsche, the fonts look the same, right? (laughs) Other than that, it's like a completely different car. Yeah. If I were to go from my car into a 912, which feels and looks exactly the same as my car in every way, except Except for the fact that it has a Beetle engine in it, it just, I can't, I can't do it. I don't disagree. Now, to be fair, some guys build, like, huge twin plug, you know, and there's four cam engines, and there's all these crazy things that you can do, and I'm impressed by that, but I still think, Stock for stock, I'd rather have a 911.
1: Well, for me, it's not even stock for stock. It's just the value of where the cars are at now. I don't
0: – I guess the value – for for the money, you could spend a little more and get a 911. I guess that's that's yeah. pretty much what it all comes down to.
1: Okay. And so that's you been it been on Chris's rant? <laughs> have you been up to anything? What's anything? I have. I'm surprised you didn't comment. I'm full of paint. Did I didn't even see notice. That?
0: Well, you showed me you were painting your garage, you sent yeah. me a message, so I just assumed you were continuing to do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, so I'm almost... I'm investigating, I'm very observant. Oh thank you. So I figured you already knew that I knew you were painting because you already sent me pictures of you painting, which is why I did not ask why you have paint on you. Wow.
1: Okay, that's quite the explanation. Yeah. yeah, no, so I painted the garage. I also, for some reason, this week has been terrible on batteries in my vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> but not the 911, unfortunately. No, yeah, today. Oh, did it? It was yeah. dead?
0: Is it too cold?
1: It's too cold, and all I've been doing is starting it, backing out of the driveway so I can paint over it, and yeah. then turning it off, and then starting it again, yeah. moving it in. So it finally did It finally, yep. yep. And it was like, it, it, went, it caught, and it started, so it was like, wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> 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 Were you thinking about me when this happened? Oh, yeah. <laughs> my dad... Dad was actually there helping me. He's like, I won't tell Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing! Well, how many times did you start it? Do you think it was several, like a lot? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Several means several three. lot. Several lot. No, no. no. Several, several means three. Lot. A lot means like more than five. It was definitely more than five. Okay. It takes me like, yeah, no. It it was it. I'm pretty happy with it. Plus, it's cold, so it's Very the cranking cold. apps and are down. And I still have the old like giant battery, so I just took that, I put it right there, and put jumper cables on it to there the new go. one. Great, all De-dean. done. Yep. Well, I'm glad it died. that that and makes me happy. The truck for some reason just didn't start in a parking lot yesterday. Okay. It just is it old old battery. It must be like it was great, and then all of a sudden it's like. You know, you probably put that battery in the last time you changed your oil. Yeah. so it's not that great (laughs) is what you're telling me
0: um so So what's going on in the garage you got new paint i saw you put uh some dividers up like the curtains we have in the studio here to cut down on sound i
1: got like uh sound detonating, insulated fireproof curtains nice so that it keeps it warm in there with my new furnace i put in right and also when i'm like grinding and welding i'm not like showering sparks on the audi and the other fun cars sure and so just trying to get things nice so I can spend time in it and not feel like I'm just, I don't know. And what else did you get? I got new workbenches. No. The stereo, you finally have
0: oh, a nice. Oh, yes. Because before, like, uh, everybody will remember, you were running a car stereo off a power inverter <laughs> I, to, like, why 6 x nine. Why would people remember nines. this? Because we talked about it. There's, did like, okay. n- 6 by 9s in a box. That was your <laughs> yeah, stereo. I remember coming right.
1: over there being like... Oh, my God. <laughs> this man needs so much help. Yeah. So I got, I, like, looked to you for your guidance because I know you're a big stereo nerd, and audio nerd, and you set me up on some vintage uh, Klipsch speakers, and I got a Yamaha receiver amp and uh so tuner, have... and, it, like, it sounds amazing.
0: Yeah, so you've got good garage tunes now, which is really, good. really helps morale. It really for sure. helps some morale for sure. So yes. um, let's talk about Lamborghini. What if we? What's the? Let's do it. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. <Let's, laughs> All let's right, do should it. we dive right in? Let's dive right in. Okay. There's a zero percent chance we're doing any news or anything else today. I agree. We're so already if, if you're really waiting really for running
1: that, this on. Too bad. <laughs> 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 All right. Ferruccio was born April twenty eighth, nineteen sixteen, in Renazzo di Cento, Italy. I wish I today. was from somewhere that sounded cool. It does sound pretty cool. When I'm like, nobody's
0: ever gonna be like, in 1981, <laughs> Mr. Cluel was born in Waukesha. <laughs> w- <laughs> was born in Waukesha. It's, like, no, that's Waukesha.
1: A- uh, so his parents were grape farmers and raised Ferruccio to follow in the family business of being a grape farmer. Uh, however, young Ferruccio turned out to be more interested in the farming machinery than farming itself. Rebelling against his parents' intentions, Ferruccio followed through. On his passions and enrolled at the Fratelli Tadia Technical Institute near Bologna, Bologna. Bologna. This is going to be all day, isn't it? All day. Just just roll right through it. Yeah, near Bologna. Bologna.
0: I'm going to say Bologna.
1: Bologna. Yeah, probably. Uh, He studied there until 1940 when he was drafted into the Italian Royal Air Force. So taking advantage of his advanced mechanical knowledge, the Royal Air Force made Ferruccio a mechanic and a supervisor to the vehicle maintenance unit at the Italian garrison on the island of Rhodes.
0: Where's Rhodes? Uh, Like Sicily? Okay. All right. (laughs) I thought maybe sure. it was like a tiny island I'm going to say
1: Mediterranean Island.
0: Yeah, there we go. It's yep. probably a safe bet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> However, even though Ferruccio had the fortune of avoiding combat on the front lines, he was still taken prisoner when the island fell to the British at the end of the war in 1945. So he was actually uh, released the next year and returned home. He then married, but his wife died in 1947 while giving birth to his first child, a boy named Tonino, tonino. 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 It sounds like a little... If I, if like a, <laughs> it's like a, a baby t- mobster. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say a tiny Tony. <laughs> a baby mobster. Tonino. So after World War II, Lamborghini opened a garage in Pieve de Cento. In his spare time, Lamborghini modified an old Fiat Topolino he had purchased, the first of many that he would own over the years. He made use of his mechanical abilities to transform this homely city car into a roaring 750cc open-top two-seater. So I don't know when it says open top, if you just cut the roof off for weight savings (laughs) or if it was like... I
0: don't think I've ever heard 750cc referred to as
1: roaring. That was quoted from the article that I was referencing here. Roaring 750cc. I mean, in a motorcycle, you'd call that roaring. I would think so, but not a car. Well, it's an open top two-seater. Well, I suppose it roared. So he entered this roaring 750cc monster into the 1948 Miglia. And his participation ended. Isn't that the Milli.: or something? Mille like? Miglia. Okay. Yep. We're uh,
0: going to make everybody angry <coughs> if we keep doing that every
1: so, time. I know. Uh, so he's in the race, and it ended after 700 miles, which Mille Miglia, it's supposed to be 1,000 miles when he ran the car into the side of a restaurant in the town of Fiano in Turin. Oh no. <laughs> As a result, Lamborghini lost his enthusiasm for motor racing, a sentiment that would endure for many years to come.
0: Okay, so this remember is, that. Okay, so he what was this his Fiat?
1: This was his little uh, Fiat
0: Topolino. His little 750cc roaring thing roared into the restaurant.
1: Roared into (laughs) a restaurant. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So he's like, screw racing. I don't like racing anymore at all. So in 1947, Ferruccio recognized an emerging market in post-war Italy devoted to agriculture, something that he was obviously familiar with thanks to his upbringing on the family farm. Uh, Using parts from Rotorio, Using parts from retired military vehicles, Ferruccio built the first of his prototype tractors. They used the six-cylinder gas engine of Morris trucks. However, post-war Italy was suffering from fuel shortage, which made gas really, really expensive. So Lamborghini saw a way to help his tractors in this area by modifying the Morris engine with a fuel atomizer of his own creation, which allowed the tractors to start um, regular petrol gasoline and then switch over to cheaper, more plentiful diesel. Sure. So it basically, modified the fuel system on these custom tractors. So the tractor was named the Karish, Karosha 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 Mm-hmm. and it was actually an instant success. So much so that Lamborghini founded Lamborghini, Trattori and began manufacturing so tractors whole time. I'm kinda of wondering how this goes down. This guy designs this tractor. Does he
0: just like hop on it and start driving around Italy be like, Hey, yo <laughs> Mario <laughs> Come check, come check the out tractor. <laughs> come check out my new tractor. Right here. Free garlic bread for everyone. Like what's I, the, the how no, do you spread okay, the word? You this say it's is, like a giant success.
1: Well, like what does this mean? Hold on, hold on. Is your idea of Italy just just going to olive garden (laughs) (laughs) i didn't say it was unlimited garlic bread i just said he had garlic bread right so well somehow he's marketing his tractors and it's going really well and so as an up-and-coming industrial man lamborghini's increasing wealth led him to indulge in the finer things in life and with the upbringing as a modest farm boy in italy of course Fruccio bought himself the fastest italian machinery of the day he owned cars such as Alfa Romeos and Lancias during the early 50s, and at one point had enough cars to use, quote, a different one each day of the week. So, how many tractors is he selling? What's the like? Do we know like how successful this company actually is? It, it was very successful. I didn't focus too much on the tractor company <laughs> itself because I wanted to get into his his later. Sure. Uh, I'm I'll just wondering, like, how many tractors do you need to sell in the in the 50s to be able to do this? Is <clears> the, I think a lot. Yeah. So, what happened later is. Over half of his sales were all exports to, like, Soviet bloc countries, and then that all collapsed in his... Company, the tractor side of it went, went bottom up. Sure. <clears throat> so he uh, had a lot of different cars. He had Jaguars. He had a couple Maserati 3, 3500 GTs. And of those Maseratis, he said Adolfo Orsi, then the owner of Maserati, was a man I had a lot of respect for. He had started a life as a poor boy like myself, but it did not like his cars much. They felt heavy and did not really go fast. Well, that's all that matters. Right. So, eventually, in 1958, Ferruccio acquired his first of several Ferraris. Ferraris were, after all, the pinnacle of Italian motoring at the time. However, Ferruccio thought the cars were too noisy and rough to be proper road cars, categorizing them as, quote, repurposed track cars with poorly built interiors.
0: Before we get too far off tractors, did you know that they still make tractors?
1: Lamborghini does?
0: Yeah. Lamborghini Tractori. There's, like, a Lamborghini Premium 1050 I'm looking at right here. Then they took it out on the Stelvio Pass on this article I'm seeing, which is (laughs) impressive.
1: I did not know that. I'm
0: just trying to find out how many they made. But they had had new models. The DL-15, DL-20, DL-25, DL-30, 40, 50, 25C, 30C. I mean, they they had a ton.
1: The DL-50 is my favorite. (laughs) Is it? Yeah, for sure. For real? No, no. I was like, what?
0: (laughs) They had four-wheel drive tractors in 1962. They had uh, around 22 horsepower. And they were uh, 1 million lira, which is... I don't know how many dollars that, that is. it. seems
1: like a lot.
0: Well, you got to figure post-war, there's probably a lot of inflation and a lot of baloney going on. True. Anyway, it sounds like he made a ton of tractors, which he is really cool. He made a ton
1: of tractors and a ton of Lira because of that. So he has his Millions. Ferraris. And Ferruccio found that Ferrari's cars were equipped with inferior clutches and required continuous trips to Maranello for rebuilds. Technicians would whisk the car away for several hours to perform the work, much to Lamborghini's annoyance. He had previously expressed dissatisfaction with Ferrari's after-sales service, which he perceived to be substandard. In fact, Fruscio actually brought his misgivings directly to Enzo Ferrari's attention, but was dismissed. So, finally, when the clutch in his 250 GT... Hey, come on, tractor guy. Get out of my shop. (laughs) Oh, just wait. (laughs) When the clutch in his 250 GT once again proved troublesome, Fruscher had the engineers at his tractor company troubleshoot the problem and engineer a suitable solution. Seeking to improve Ferrari... Thought he'd just help Enzo out and give the solution to Enzo. What we know about Enzo, that probably didn't go over very well. (laughs) Enzo was outraged that a tractor maker would dare to tell him how to design his sports cars and sent Lamborghini on his way, telling him to focus on, quote, what he knew best. Ooh! Instead, Ferruccio Lamborghini resolved to build sports cars that would show Ferrari how it should be done. Lamborghini believed that a Grand Tourer should have attributes that were lacking in Ferrari's offerings. Namely so I,
0: I just want to say that I love anyone that does something like this out just, of to, spite. S- just <laughs> to spite somebody. That's how we got. I got started in all of this, was just to spite someone. Right, you've told me that. And it's, it is it is a powerful motivator. It's I don't know if it's like a male thing or what, but it is a powerful <laughs> motivator. When you want to prove that you can do something to somebody you that say, said you can't, you. you're just like, I can do this. Definitely better than trying to do it for yourself.
1: Right, so... As he kind of alluded to before, he basically thought Ferraris were compromised, you know, as not being very tractable. They had terrible ride quality. And the interior, he said, were basically just like race car spec. So well, they a, were. I, I know mean, that's, they were. Yeah, that's yeah just though, especially the
0: early cars in the 50s. Enzo Ferrari hated the idea of building streetcars.
1: I, I mean, know. He, he yeah, just, he th- said he only did that to basically support his race cars. Exactly. So it makes sense. The uh,
0: race on Sunday, sell so on Monday thing didn't really apply to him. <laughs> no, yeah. just just race, <laughs> and just race on Saturday. I guess get Sunday. some Monday yeah. money
1: on Monday. Yeah. Um. So Lamborghini also knew he could make triple the profit if the components used in his tractors were installed in high-performance exotic cars instead. Basically, meaning profit margin on race car or like sports cars are higher than. So you're saying rich guys have more money than farmers. Turns out, yeah, yes. So as any self-respecting sports car manufacturer should begin, Lamborghini focused first on the engine of his future car. He commissioned the engineering firm Society Autostar to design a V12 engine. Lamborghini wanted the engine to have similar displacement to the Ferrari 3-liter V12. However, he wanted the engine to be designed purely for road use in contrast to the modified race engines used by Ferrari. So Autostar was led by Giotto Bizzarnini. He himself was a former Ferrari engineer who had been responsible for creating the famous Ferrari 250 GTO. Are we going to get to how
0: Lamborghini went from this to, like, Diablo SV? Just because if you think about... Oh, I want these cars to be able to be useful. I don't want them to just, I mean, All of a sudden, we went from yeah. this concept to just like
1: yep. totally useless. We will get there. Okay. <laughs> so the engine, this Bizzarrini design known today as the Lamborghini V12. And remember what Ferruccio told his engineer to do, like make something not a race car engine. Make right. it nice and suitable, right? So, this V12 had a displacement of 3.5 liters, a 10 to 1 compression ratio, and a maximum output of 360 horsepower at 9,800 RPM. <laughs>
0: Can you imagine, a.k.a. a race car engine. <laughs> some dude's wife gets into his Lamborghini just to go get some flour to make some garlic bread. Everything is not about free breadsticks, Chris. <laughs> She's just like ripping through town. What? It's like 9,000 miles per hour, this little old lady. Is a Ferrari, yeah, Lamborghini. it revs
1: to 10,000.
2: Oh, so
1: Lamborghini was displeased with the engine's high revolutions and dry sump lubrication system, both <laughs> characteristics of the racing engines he specifically did not wish to use. (laughs) Bizzarini refused to change the engine design to make it more well-mannered. Lamborghini refused then to pay the agreed-upon fee of 4.5 million lira, plus there was going to be a bonus for every unit of brake horsepower the engine could produce over the ferrari equivalent that was
0: the mistake that he made was giving that bonus because then all the guy (laughs) wanted to do was make power right dang if i get this thing to spin at ninety eight (laughs) hundred rpms i'm gonna make 300 and something horsepower that's at least four million more lira
1: (laughs) (sighs) right so it turns out lamborghini did not fully compensate the designer until ordered to do so by the courts like years later which is ironic because variants of this Bizzarini's v12 were used in all lamborghinis up until like 2010 it was basically the same architecture wow which is a testament so beyond the engine the first lamborghini chassis design was created by italian chassis engineer gian paolo Dallara, also a ferrari fame i didn't delve too much into him um but (laughs) i'm getting (laughs) it I, want, I wish
0: you could save drops so we could have that. Like, I could just play that anytime I want you to be quiet. I could just play that. And, and we'll so Lamborghini
1: that designed and built a Lamborghini 350 GTV in only four months in time for an October unveiling at the 1963 Turin Motor Show. Due to the ongoing disagreement with the engine designer, Bizzarini, a working power plant was not available for the prototype car in time for the show. The car actually went on display in Turin without an engine under its hood, and according to legend, Ferruccio had the engine bay filled with bricks so that car would sit appropriately and not have the front suspension This is all up. because he didn't want that engine in the car. <laughs> yes. Jeez. And then he bolted the uh, bonnet closed so that people couldn't open the, you know, the, yeah. the hood. Yeah, to see the bricks. Right. Um, Maybe that's what BHP originally stood for, is brick horsepower. (laughs) Sure. We'll go with that. Okay. Uh, Despite this and the fact that the hood went open, the motoring press gave the 350 GTV a warm response. So after this first concept car's debut, automobile Ferruccio Lamborghini SPA was officially incorporated. Hand me that book over there. I want to look at this car while you're doing On the 30th of October, 1963. It's basically a GT car. Thank you. Yes. Um... Although, despite the favorable press reviews on this 350, Ferruccio decided to rework the car for production. The production model, would be called the 350 GT, was restyled, and Bizzarini's V12 engine would be detuned for mass production, developing 280 horsepower rather than the designer's 360. From the front, this
0: thing has a little bit of a Mira look to it.
1: Like I guess just- some of the design language is already there. Yeah, you can kind of see yeah. it, it like just starting to, to come forward. Right. So, this 350 GT remained in production for a further two years with a total of 120 cars sold, which, I mean, isn't a lot, but it's his first car. Uh, Next model in the lineup was the 400 GT, it was basically an advancement of the previous 350 GT, it had a 4 liter instead of the 3.5 liter. Um, But it wasn't until 1965 that really heated up things at Lamborghini. The story goes that Ferruccio had hired three young engineers to head the technical department of the factory. These engineers, uh, up namely Dallara and Stazani, were young, passionate, and enthusiastic. And the trust that Lamborghini placed in them by putting them at the head of this new and extraordinary operation quickly spawned new and more advanced ideas of these two engineers. So you got these young, really excited guys working in an engineering department and basically were given free reign. And they were based, a lot of their interests on like state-of-the-art race cars during the period namely the two-seater sports cars. So this was indeed the concept the two young engineers from Balina to put barely tamed versions of full-fledged race cars <laughs> on the road rather than a reinterpretation of the classic This producer. guy must GT. be like No, this guy is just So they kind of started this skunkworks outfit on the side. Right. And the project was named 400 TP. It had a 4-liter, 12-cinder engine from the 400 GT, but it was transversely mounted behind the cockpit, which a lot of people don't realize it's basically going the other way, not front to back. It's going side to side. Uh, and the gearbox and differential were actually united in the engine base by a single casting. Okay. So there's no separate transmission. The crankcase is also the transmission That's housing. That's
0: like Mini. Yes, exactly. I wonder if they saw a Mini and were like, wow, this would make a really good V12 race or a race <laughs> engine or whatever.
1: I mean, it kind of makes sense. The only problem is then they have to use the same oil. Right, and that's a problem. That is a problem. So when you're, like, grinding first gear, now all of those, you know, your missed synchro is going to go up into your yeah. crankcase. Um, so Usually ch- that's brass, so it's not the end of the world. But yeah, probably don't, not I the I wouldn't great want idea. that in my valve train, though. No, no. So the chassis of this, uh, this kind of Skunk Works 400 GT or TP project, uh, was made of bent, welded sheet metal that was then drilled to make it more lightweight. Again, a.k.a. race car technology. Right. Do we know what this guy's thinking about his employees at this time? So the story goes that when Lamborghini finally saw the project, he was like, I don't (laughs) like it, but I'm going to approve it just for the PR. He's like, this is good marketing. to be like, this is something cool. So he basically... He approved them to show just the bare chassis. Right. So when they brought it to uh, it was the Turin Auto Show in 1965, it was just a bare chassis with the engine, and it was supposed to be just like, here's a technology or a, a show of our like, abilities. So Lamborghini turned out to be wrong, though, in this forecast. He declared the car would be built because it would be good advertisement for the company, even though it would clearly never sell, quote, more than 50 of these cars. And this is the 400 them. GT? No. Okay. This is a codenamed project. All right. So the Bear Chassis went, uh, like I said, to the auto show in 65. One person who believed in the chassis and above all in Lamborghini's capabilities was Nucio Bertone. The turin based coach builder was an expert on cars and engines. And as soon as he saw the chassis, he approached Lamborghini and said, I'm the one who can make the shoe to fit your car. I like that. No, the shoe to fit your foot. I'm sorry. The two shook hands, and this marked the beginning of an extraordinary adventure. So Bertone was placed in charge of styling the prototype, which was finished just days before the debut of the 1966 Geneva Motor Show. None of the engineers had found time to check if the engine still fit inside the compartment. (laughs) But committed to showing the car, they decided to fill the engine bay with ballast, a.k.a. bricks again, and keep the hood locked throughout the show. Again, like they did Do we know the name of this car? We do. Is it the Marzal? Nope. So Dang it, I'm sales head Sigari was forced to turn away members of the motoring press who wanted to see what was powering this car. Think about that: the bare chassis presented as a complete experimental prototype in the autumn of '65 it had become the most stunning road car in the world in just four months. The car gained worldwide attention of automotive enthusiasts when it was chosen for the opening sequence of the original 1969 mm. version of the Italian Job. That's the Mira. The name of the car is just as storied as the model itself. The story goes that Ferruccio Lamborghini visited a renowned breeder of Spanish fighting bulls in 1962. Lamborghini was so impressed by the majestic Mira animals that he decided to adopt a Raging Bull as the emblem for the company's logo, as well as the name for the most influential models produced. So basically, the, the, bull di- the Raging Bull didn't exist before the Mira? He, it, it, the logo came just slightly before the Mira, okay. but they were both. Uh, inspired by this breeder. What and was the logo before
0: the I don't boat? know if he had a logo. It's probably a tractor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, actually, I do have a photo of one of his tractors, and it just said Lamborghini in big like, okay. block letters. Sure. So um, so by December, 108 cars had been delivered. Wow, that's pretty good for him, right? Yes, it is. So,
0: And they made, I think they made 800 Miras. Or something like that. Whereas that sounds was a right. Very low production. Yeah.
1: Um, so it's interesting when we kind of teased this episode and that we were going to be talking about Lamborghini. History book says nine hundred Miras. Well, you were slightly off.
2: Okay.
1: We uh, we had a, a message from one of our fans that said, "Hey, you should talk to uh, this other journalist, Kevin Hackett, who actually got to drive a Mira SV." And we got him on the phone here, and he had a really awesome story uh, about. Driving a mirror.
0: Yeah. So the, the auto quality is a little rough. I tried to do what I could for it, but uh, we hope you enjoy it. Here it is.
3: Well, it was, I've been, um, I've been working quite closely with Lamborghini for, for, for many years. Um, because when I was in the UK, I was a freelancer, um, and I used to be the motor editor for FHM. At the time, well, FHM, very, very large, of cousins. Um just gonna put my phone on So as when well, the every step for a while, which meant that I had global reach, a global audience every month, um, which opened a lot of doors for me and Lamborghini appreciated that. So they used to involve a great deal of everything that they were doing in the case of the stuff. And the the PR manager in the UK also looked after the Middle East, and she knew from my conversations with her, that the Muir was my absolute dream. And when it came to the Muir's 50th um, anniversary, the factory was planning a series of events before, for the year, which was two years ago, in, uh, in uh, 2016. And I just made damn sure that my, my name was top of the list when it came to uh, representing the Middle East. <laughs> and what they had planned... Was to have two uh, mirrors which are basically owned by the company, and they are normally uh, exhibited uh, in Lamborghini's own museum at the factory. So they have um, a, a, a gold uh, mirror S and a, a, a yellow S V, um, and they took those out from the, from the museum for a few days and invited ten journalists from the world to go drive either of those cars uh, on the road that was seated at the beginning of the Italian shop in the original film um, simply because they could um, and because that, that was the, the film that made the mirror a superstar so it was maybe three hour drive from, from the factory up to where that road is they'd arranged to have the road closed so the traffic uh, they'd um, and they had these two cars delivered. There was ten journalists, two cars, which meant you had five guys, uh, in each car for an entire day. So when it came to my turn, I had the car to myself for nearly a couple of hours, just up and down this mountain stretch, um, as far as you go up to the snow line, because it was still, it was still going to be winter, um, but I had the car, no no co-driver, no chaperone, just go and have fun, see you later. And that was it, so I, um, I was in my element, should say. it say. It was a dream come true. Not, I mean, the, the road itself was extraordinary, but to be in that car, on that road, was, it was something which, it was, when, it, when, it, when it came to writing about it, it was very difficult to find the words <laughs> to try and do that experience justice. So to be able to put the reader in, you know, in the driver's seat, which is what I've always tried to do throughout my career, um, it's not that easy to try and, to try and conjure the, the, the images through your words to describe what it was that I was experiencing on that day. It was, it was extremely difficult. And I still, to this day, don't think I've ever done it justice. Huh. It was just one of those pivotal moments where I thought, it doesn't get any better than this. Because the mirror, to, to me, when I was eight years old, it was a poster car, It was on my bedroom wall. I remember handing my mother a, a double-page spread from the magazine of a blue mirror SV and saying, I want that in the frame to have it a my bed. Say so you never meet your heroes, but it was a, it was a superb machine. And what surprised me was how easy it was to drive. I mean, the, and I mean, I have just the TR6 is, is difficult. it's it has no power steering, the brakes are horrible, um, it has a very heavy clutch, and the Mura was was not was, was was actually easier to drive than than, than my TR6. It was it it, it 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 didn't feel like it needed attention. It just kept going and going and going, and there's no red line on the rev counter. You just you just keep going and going until you think the engine can't take anymore And it just, it feels like it just is goading you into going faster and faster all the time. And because I was on a very twisty road, I didn't get it up to huge speeds, but it did feel extremely nimble for a car of its age. Um, by the end of the couple of hours I had it, the brakes were starting to get a bit and it started to fade a bit. because that was the only thing, really, that gave away its age. Oh, and the fact that it was also very hot in there, so I had to have the window down all the time. <laughs> um, but apart from that, it was it was extraordinarily easy to drive. There's a lot of visibility. Um, it felt spacious inside. You could, I couldn't imagine, back in the day, being able to cover large distances in that car uh, without feeling that I was being punished in <laughs> any way. It was... Um, it was it was, I think in every respect ahead of the sun. Um, and, and when you start to look at the story of the kind of development, you just realize that those were days that you'll never see again. They were basically kids that designed this thing. They were doing it in their spare time because Ferrucci and Lamborghini didn't believe it as a concept. He just allowed them to go and experiment. And when they came back to him and said, Look what we've done, he kind of gave it a green light, never thinking it would actually take off. And it did. It changed the world. And that, that, that spirit, that, that, that spirit of innovation and invention, I think we are never going to see that ever again. With all the, 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 the developments we have with electric cars and uh, autonomous driving and everything else, I don't think we're ever going to see that carefree that, that spirit of, what the hell, let's just give it a go and see what happens. That's just, it, it doesn't exist anymore. So it was it was it was a privilege to be able to experience that and actually meet the guys who were sat down in a, in a coffee shop working out how it worked back in the sixties um, to try and get the car together and, and make it a production reality. It was it was a, a very very moving day in, in many respects.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that that experience with us, and uh, you know it's been great having you on the show here, and I really appreciate it. Thank you, Kevin.
3: No, well, thank you very much. Um, it's, it's, it's good to be able to talk about these things. It's, and if, if if anybody can just kind of get inspiration from this kind of thing, it's important to realize that as a as a, as a motion journalist, um, these are the things that you can. If you if you play your cards right, you can get to do in the line of work. And once when when you when you get to experience these things, you realise that this is the actual best job in the world. Um, and I, I I feel extremely privileged and honoured to be able to do these things. It's really wonderful.
0: So that's the Mira. That's like my that's like dream for me. That's like. As a journalist, I'm like, if I could just drive a Mira, or I mean, there's like a bunch of cars that I would want to drive. Like, right, it's like on the, your,
1: it's more than a bucket list. It's like, okay, this is the pinnacle. Yeah, it's,
0: it's the top of the pyramid is right. like, like a Mira or a McLaren F1, or just these, Ooh, these really. I, I think I'd rather drive a McLaren F1, but I would like just seeing a Mira is really real. there was one at um, Pebble Beach when I was okay. out there, and it was orange. Like this creamsicle metallic orange. And Do you it know was, if it
1: was uh, like a Mira, a Mira S, SV. I'm going to guess it was an SV. Do you know how you can tell? No. SVs have the wider flares. It's uh-huh. basically like the RS flares on a 911. It was amazing. That I mean, and it they was don't so... have the eyelashes. You oh, know, they the don't? As, yeah, 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 the yeah. SVs don't have the eyelashes. Oh, I like that part. I know.
2: Oh, anyway,
1: <laughs> okay. So, skipping forward to the next hallmark of Lamborghini, the brainchild of Bertone and Gandini was an amazing four-seat concept car with a rear engine mounted transversely again behind the axle and sensational gull-wing doors. The concept of vertically opening doors appeared for the very first time on this exotic vehicle. I, dubbed I just want the I, Marzal. I just want. I love that car. That car. Everybody needs to look up the Marzal
0: right now and just see what this thing looks like. But before you do that, I just want to note that it says. The transmission in the Mira, yeah, five-speed reverse gearbox with Porsche synchromesh. Oh, yeah, that's so kind of interesting. They so took Porsche synchros. Yeah, they put, took Porsche synchros, and every
1: single one of them grinds first I gear in this day. Say, and I <laughs> <laughs> now understand why those cars are fragile. Okay, so the Marzal, and in the future, uh, this would gradually become the distinctive feature all top-range Lamborghinis. Of course, the Lamborghini scissor doors, and on your neighbor's Honda Civic.
0: It's really kind of like <laughs> – it's really kind of like <laughs> when you look at the wedge shape of this car, you can, you can see the future. Right. This is, I mean, the Mira is a beautiful car. It is a truly beautiful – it might be one of the most beautiful cars ever made, and that's kind of the standard that everybody has for the Mira. But when you look at the Marzal, you go, yeah, that's Lamborghini for sure. The, the Mira doesn't scream Lamborghini for me.
1: No, it's, it's, some, it's, 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 yeah, I know what you mean. It doesn't fit in with some of the more modern cars that you think of in their design language. Right. So now I'm going to get into some of the, I mean, we'll, we'll scroll through some of this, but I left this interview in here for you chris uh in 69 lamborghini encountered problems with its fully unionized workforce among which the ma- machinists <laughs> and fabricators had began to take one hour token stoppages as part of a national campaign Ferruccio, who often rolled up his sleeves and joined the workforce on the factory floor was able to motivate his staff to continue working towards their common goal despite disruptions okay i don't know i thought that was cool yeah why not Okay. Uh, In 1970, Lamborghini began development of a replacement for the Miro, which had interior noise levels that Ferruccio Lamborghini found unacceptable and non-conforming to his brand philosophy. Oh, boy. (laughs) Again, he doesn't like it's a race car. (laughs) Why doesn't he just build a Mercedes? I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, Engineers designed a new longer chassis that placed the engine longitudinally further away from the driver's seat. Designated the LP500 for its 4.97 liter version of the company's V12. The prototype was styled by Gandini and Bertone. The car was presented and debuted at the 1971 Geneva Motor Show alongside the final revision of the Mira, the P400 Super Veloce. A.K.A. E.S.V. Competing. Does that just mean super fast? Like really super fast? Super veloce. It
0: means just really fast, I, right? Yeah. That's, that's m- all I Just means. think about being like, what well, can we design this? It's a mirror. No, but it's really fast. It's the fastest <laughs> one we've ever done. Well, just say
2: <laughs> <Sad> that then. <laughs> <laughs> super fast. <laughs> I like that a lot.
1: So um, I don't really have a good transition here, but there's another like really cool character in the story of Lamborghini that I want to talk about. Okay. First, I just want to
0: like just impress upon people enough how cool the Merzal is. (laughs) What did you think of when you saw those pictures I sent you and you've seen it now? Show me. Show me. I've been looking at so many of these obscure models. It's the one that it's one of one bertone designed it or whatever yeah but it's look at that wedge look at the rear end of that car yeah. when you see the rear end of that car that is that looks like a lamborghini yeah I it's guess. Just, just like the dark shape on the back and then the all the hexagonal stuff that they put on there it's just that's wild. true you're
1: right you can definitely see where some of their more crazy modern cars and this car style. had a
0: had like a four-cylinder version of that engine that you're talking about that had the
1: oh i do remember reading about that just crazy that they really, really
0: wanted to integrate. I wonder if that was what's-his-face is <laughs> like, yeah, we would need this thing to be simple. Let's try and like, not make it a race car and put the transmission in the engine. Let's do it. The British are doing it. Those things are
2: reliable. <laughs> no, they're not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, enter Valentino Balboni. Quote, I happened to fill out an application form by chance after the priest of my village dropped me off in front of the Lamborghini factory while I was visiting his relatives at Bolognese. So this guy <laughs> just gets a ride with his priest? Yes. How old is he? He's a kid. Okay. I was employed as an apprentice mechanic helping the mechanics you know, I cleaning new- their tools. Quick. Go. I saw a news story uh-huh. about this <laughs> I don't know where this is going <laughs> but I'm excited this priest
0: was in a boxter that like broke down or something and he just had a bunch of kids towing it <laughs> like pulling it along okay <laughs> it just seems so wrong the priest is like in the car like ah underlay <laughs> that's Spanish that's not gonna work they just it seems strange and I'm just
1: okay I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Did the they have a rope that they were pulling? Yes. Okay. <laughs> was it like I'm, I don't know why I'm picturing Santa now. Instead of reindeer, <laughs> there's kids. <laughs> but it's, you
0: know, it was a Catholic priest that was in the box right? Well, being towed by children. Yeah, it's Catholic,
1: just, Christian, Santa. You know, it all fits. It's very disturbing. Okay. Um, so here comes this kid. He uh, His priest dropped him off at the factory for some <laughs> reason, and he got a job as a mechanic apprentice where he basically cleaned their tools and the floor and was washing 400 GTs, mirrors, and Esperanto that were coming to be serviced. Uh, Quote, While doing my job as as an apprentice, I learned how to start the cars, and at the same time, I learned to drive them around the two buildings that existed in those days. I wasn't supposed to be doing that, but I kept doing that every time I could, not obeying company directives and challenging my bosses. Finally, the company needed to train two young test drivers since Lamborghini was increasing their production. Requirements were attitude, passion, in addition to mechanical knowledge. We used to test the cars in country roads around the area. That's a, the <laughs> that's, that's a lot different than what's required it's
2: now. That's a lot
1: different than what's required now. It's totally different.
0: I need attitude. You go to the, over to the Volkswagen dealership, you got hey, I've got attitude and passion. They're like, can you use an iPad? I mean, that's, the requirements right. are totally different.
1: Right. So, again, quote, um, we used to test the cars on country roads around the area, more or less the same locations. This was very important for us to have the same references and to feel the different reactions of each car before and after the necessary calibrations. It was very easy to define the tolerances of oversteer and understeer, as well as engine torque and power output on public roads. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? So... Here's what's great about this. Before he was the test driver and he was just late driving 60s. the cars around, uh, he didn't have a driving's license, but that didn't prevent him from testing customer-repaired cars, mainly 400 <laughs> GTs, blah, 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 blah. His role model at the time was Lamborghini's legendary chief test driver, Bob Wallace. By 1971... That's not the name <laughs> I expected. <laughs> I know that's not an Italian name at all. <laughs> um... I'm skipping over part of this because it's not as funny as that. Um, So he finally got a license and the company gave him uh, this role to be an official test driver. So how old is this kid? I don't know how well, old if you're getting he is dropped now. off by a priest, that's like thirteen years old, right? No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean I'm fast forwarding. here okay, a little okay. bit. Okay. So new license in hand, Belboni headed the same evening to the customer service department and selected a Mira SV in which to drive. Alone in a car for the first time along the route he would follow for the next thirty five years, testing all the company's prototypes and eighty percent of all Lamborghinis built. Wow. The route goes from factory premise at Via Modena towards Non uh, Galato and then past Bumpto to Final Emilia. I just went for a drive with no destination. If anybody's Italian, they are. Oh, my (laughs) God. Don't care. Don't care. Quote, I just went for a drive with no destination of mine and none of the usual time pressure, recalls Balboni. And that's the same route then that he used to test 80% of every single car Lamborghini produced. And I wonder if there was ever any speeding tickets or if the cops were yes, just like, oh, were. it's Balboni. No, yeah. So there's photos of him with a cop. And the cop's like, hey, Balboni. And he's like, <laughs> hey, this is spicy meatball.
0: <laughs> just like that. Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly how it went <laughs> right. down.
1: So Balboni, you'll see pictures of him. So he's the famed test driver for the factory. And he's the one that basically invented the correct way to back up a Lamborghini. Oh. And that's you open the scissor door. You sit on the sill of the door and look behind you outside the car. With one foot in. With basically. one foot in. Yeah. Because there's no rearward <laughs> visibility on these things. <laughs> so there's pictures all over of people like backing up their Lamborghini like that because Bell Boney was like, this is how you do it. Well, this is
0: the only way you can do it, right. is, is how that should be translated.
1: Yes. Uh, there was also a special edition Bell Boney um, Lamborghini probably about five years ago. It was a merch Lago. And edition. And it com- did not come with a rear wheel camera. That would be really <laughs> funny. No, it, it, it's, not an option on it's this Its claim model. to fame is it did not have all wheel drive. It was rear wheel drive only because he liked to get the car sideways. Is he gone? No, he's still
0: around, still kicking. I wonder what he thinks of Audi coming in on Lamborghini and just
1: well, he, even save, saving through, the
0: company, I guess. But he even up through Audi, I think tested a lot of the cars. I wonder. So, I, I wonder what he thought. Well, let's get him on the show. <laughs> Yes, go for it. I'll work on that. Call his press office.
1: Okay, so back to the automaker itself. Two things were going on for Lamborghini in the 70s. As a world financial crisis began to take hold, Ferruccio Lamborghini's companies began to run into financial difficulties. In 72, Lamborghini sold his entire holding of Tractori to SAME, another tractor builder. Uh, The entire Lamborghini group was now finding itself in financial trouble. Development at the automaker slowed. And faced with the need to cut costs, Ferruccio began courting buyers for the company. Go ahead. He
0: now has an aftermarket company to tune Lamborghinis.
1: Balboni does?
0: Balboni does. The firm is called VB, and its first product is a titanium exhaust for the Aventador Super Veloce. It looks more like a sculpture than a car component. That was part of the plan, he said. This exhaust, blah, blah, blah. Having test-driven Lamborghinis for a long time, blah, blah, blah. Balboni was eventually asked to test-drive newly built cars alongside Bob Wallace during his career, blah, 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 We already went through that. Anyway, yeah. so it's... a. Uh, it's launched on August 20th of 2016, so Balboni now makes aftermarket Lamborghini stuff.
1: That's fitting. Yeah. So I that's, like that. That's good for him. So any, uh, so in our story now, in the 70s, Lamborghini's like financial difficulty. Ferruccio's like, I'm getting old. I want to get out of this. He enters negotiations with a wealthy Swiss businessman and sold 51% of the company for $600,000, which I guess at the time isn't terrible. What year is this? 72 Oh, yeah, I guess I don't know. I'd have to look it up. Yeah, that seemed low to me, but I just thought that was interesting because I bet there are special edition Lamborghinis that cost that much now. Right. Um, regardless, so that was half the company. Two years later in 74, Ferruccio threw in the towel altogether and sold the remaining 49% stake um, to a friend, apparently. And having severed all connections with the cars and tractors that bore his name, Lamborghini retired to an estate on the shores of Lake Trasimeno in the province of Perugia in central Italy. Sounds wonderful. <laughs> so that was one thing that happened in the seventies. The other challenge was to avoid being a one-hit wonder, right? So they had the Mira. That was that great. Was the big one, yeah. The Mira sequel made an even bigger splash. What was that? The name
0: Countach. Here's the problem: is the contu- Countach looks nothing like a Mira. I know you can't even call it a sequel. I know that's like saying Lethal Weapon one had Mel Gibson and the other guy, and Lethal <laughs> Weapon two was like Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan. It just it doesn't. They're not the same car. They're not. They're not the same engine and tr- transmission combination. They're not the same look. That's, I'm I mean, not
1: disagreeing with you, okay. but I, and we all know the Countach. It's crazy looking. It's really wedge shaped, very it's like 70s. Number three or something on my greatest cars of the 80s. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, but what I found more interesting, the name Countach started out as a joke. Okay. But since it sounded so good in English, they just went with it. What does it mean? Quote. When we made cars for the car shows, we worked at night and were all tired, so we'd joke around to keep up morale. There was a profiler working profiler? Sure, whatever that is. Profiler. Yeah. What's that? I don't know. Don't Neither know. do I. But he was working with us who made the locks. Oh, he makes locks. Okay. He was two meters tall with two enormous hands, and he performed all the little jobs. (laughs) I don't know why that was in there, but I left it. It Six-foot guy with big hands doing all the little jobs. He spoke almost only Piedmontese, didn't even speak Italian. Piedmontese is much different from Italian and sounds like French. One of his most frequent exclamations was, which literally means plague, contagion, and is actually used more to express amazement or even admiration, like goodness. Or holy shit. Right. Yeah, okay. So he had this habit. When we were working at night to keep our morale up, there was a jousting spirit. So I said we could call it Countach, just as a joke, to say an exaggerated quip without any conviction. There nearby was Rob... Bob Wallace, who assembled the mechanics, we always made the cars operational. At that time, you could even roll into the car shows with the car running, which was marvelous for these shows. Usually they're just, you know, like, one-offs. So jokingly, I asked Bob Wallace how it sounded to an Anglo-Saxon ear. Okay, so he was, like, not Italian. Right. Uh, He said to his own way, strangely, it worked. We immediately came up with the writing and stuck it on the car for the car show. A young man who said... And I'm guessing this language is not very prominent. This no, I don't think so. So it's not like everybody would have been like, whoa. But it just... So that's the story of Countach. So initially, the Countach carried over the Muras 4-liter V12, but Lamborghini later upgraded the car to a 5.2-liter version, and it reached 455 horsepower, which is very impressive. Uh, well, that was the 25th anniversary edition in 1988. Uh, the one that set the design language of modern cars is the kuntash firm she says i really had a picture of it on my wall in my bedroom what what do you go ahead <laughs> this is
0: the original p Montes meaning spelling of the of the word is c u n t a c c no <laughs> the spelling kuntash is original and has probably been chosen to avoid the international misunderstandings that a name containing the word blank would cause <laughs> <laughs>
1: That makes it so much better. Yeah,
0: it's even better. Um, so we don't want it to be this word, yeah. but we'll have it do, be this instead. That's
1: yeah. Um, and then, of course, after the Countach came the Diablo, and then the Diablo lent itself to the Murcielago, which, of course, was another V12 Halo model. And the Murcielago looked and sounded the part, but like so many Lamborghinis in the 90s, it fell short on quality and reliability. One of the first things to happen when the Volkswagen Group bought Lamborghini was the introduction of a new V10 so model. Were lined. they? Were they? Well, that
0: was from the R8, right? Yeah. So is was, was what was Lamborghini's financial state when Volkswagen bought them? Were they like pretty?
1: They were pretty bad. I didn't get into the specifics because I focused, like I said, on I found the earlier stuff really interesting. Yeah. So um, I bet they were. They were not doing well. Yeah. Yeah, and they actually went through many other. So Chrysler actually owned them for years. From when to when? Uh, it was before Volkswagen bought them. It was after 88, I think.
0: Okay. So they bought them. Volkswagen bought Audi in 1998. It's not disclosed, but analysts estimated Lamborghini's worth at about $100 million.
1: Okay. Well, that sounds like a lot. It does not sound like a lot. Well, I mean... Relatively speaking, right? Right. So... um yeah, Lamborghini is now a corporate subsidiary within sprawling Volkswagen Group, and we know Balboni now makes exhausts for Lamborghini, and Ferruccio Lamborghini uh, retired and died. Oh. <laughs> the end.
0: Well, that's that's okay. Everybody gets to retire and die. That's the goal, right? <laughs> I that's know. I just didn't have a way to end this to. story.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was really interesting. Uh, as you said, it all kind of started out a spite. Which is an amazing way to do things. So I think the,
0: the moral of the story is the Mira is awesome. The Kuntash is nothing like the Mira. And the Marzal <laughs> is the, one of the coolest cars that they never made.
1: Okay. Uh, and the Kuntash is the best name of a car, period. It, yes, absolutely.
0: <laughs> um, so we do have some time to go into some other things. Well, let's uh, do it. We're at about an hour, which is cool with me. We can keep going. Um, oh,
1: Okay, good. Did you see this? Yes. I was going to ask you about this because it was just today I saw this.
0: This crash?
1: Yeah, I think it's the F1 crash where it's just flying. I think it's F3. F3, yes. It's
0: Sophia Florsch. She's a German driver. Yeah, she's 17. Yes. And um, you can go and look at the video. Look up, uh, what would it be? Um, The Macau Grand Prix. That's M-A-C-A-U. The Macau Grand Prix crash. And you can see this car
1: just so the video I saw is someone, like, on their iPhone recording all the cars going through a corner. It's a really slow corner that's apparently at the end of a very, very long, fast straight. Right. And so they're all slowing down, going in. This is a street circuit.
0: It's very tight. Very, very tight.
1: And all of a sudden, it, like, it's so quick it doesn't look real. It looks like if you
0: were to take a pie and smash it in <laughs> someone's face as hard as you can, that's what this car does. It flies across the screen. Tips up and smashes this woman, this girl really, right. head first into like the photographer's box. Right. She lives. I know. Amazingly. You guys gotta look this up. You'll see she's, this woman lives. Incredible. She has a fractured spine. She goes, Don't worry, guys, I'm fine. Holy cow. <laughs> Wait, are you fine after a fractured spine? But she's fine. I guess a couple of photographers. Fractured and spine, feeling fine. She's also smoking hot. Yeah, she, she's very, like very,
1: very, very attractive. So um, what I don't understand if you watch this video like I'm sure they'll they'll figure out what actually happened. It looks like did the throttle stick? Like like her, she's has no wheels at that point that it's flying
0: through. <laughs> wait, to the there's no wheels. <laughs> if you look at the video there's like no wheels. Um I'm sure things will come out as they develop this is just happening today so there's not a lot of information. Right. But maybe by tomorrow this will be yeah, we'll um, have a little like, bit more. It's yeah, pretty nuts though. Yeah. So she's okay. Good for her. That's good. What else I'm, you got? I'm just trying to look and see, blah blah blah, medical report. She's comfort conscious, blah blah. blah. Nope, there's no, there's no. This is what happened. There's just nothing. So she had, must have hit somebody to get that kind. She's probably 15, 20 feet in the air. Yeah,
1: but what I don't get, she's going so much
0: faster than she should be. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, well, if there's no wheels, you can't stop or slow down.
1: <laughs> well, you also can't stop when you're flying through the air.
0: That's also true. If there's no. I, I don't understand. I don't literally you know. looks like like someone smashed the car with their hand in the wall. So, um, I just want to couple updates on autonomous electric cars. Okay. Is Volkswagen is about to spend fifty point two billion dollars on electronic and autonomous vehicles by uh, twenty twenty three. So in the next four years, they'll be spending fifty B with a billion dollars on a, electronic and lot. autonomous vehicles. Just so you think just realize the investment that they're putting into this. Things are happening. Things are happening and Tesla is foobar. If Volkswagen's putting the biggest manufacturer in the world is putting 50 billion in, they're they're teaming up with Ford to do That's it. That's right. Yeah. So you're going to have like a you're going to have a fully electric Amarok by 2025 driving <laughs> around Detroit is my guess.
1: I that'd be a cool daily. I wouldn't mind that. I would love that. Um Let's see here. <laughs> the Secret Service won't let Michelle Obama drive.
0: So apparently, Michelle Obama really wants to drive, but they will not let her <laughs> drive. Secret- so
1: frustrating.
0: She says, No driving for me. We still live in a bubble. If we had a farm <laughs> somewhere, maybe I could drive around it. Um, someone was just like, Well, just put on a disguise. And she goes, Then somebody's going to say, "What's Michelle doing in that wig and those glasses?" (laughs) So I think a disguise would only backfire. I'd be in some tabloid magazine. What's she trying to do? What's wrong with her? That's crazy. So she really... I think we should have a petition to let let Michelle drive. Make
1: Michelle great again. (laughs) I I think we got to come up with a different tagline for that. No, I think that would be great. (laughs) Okay, she could drive. She she could just do what uh, Brock did with Jerry Seinfeld. On comedians and cars and just drive the Corvette around the White House. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Says, I don't think Trump's going to allow that.
1: Good point. Good point. We Tiny. don't have the
0: anonymity that allows you to be in a world with normalcy, she said. I go to restaurants, I still work out and travel, but I can't sit at a sidewalk cafe and I just watch other people without it, uh, watch other people without it becoming a scene. So, that's, I mean, that's truly kind of sad. It is. You know, she's become so famous that, I mean, she's tall, you know, she's pretty, and so she can't do
1: Obviously, recognize- well, she's recognizable, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I'm just saying she's tall, she sticks out, she can't, but right. you, she could do like the Jackie O thing with the big black glasses, and all that stuff. So, okay, that's too bad for her, I guess. Yes, yeah. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm just seeing if there's anything else that okay, nothing else to that story there. Um, so, uh, just an update on what's going on with Porsche Classic since we had Ray Schaefer in sure. a couple of weeks ago. Porsche is looking to really expand Porsche classic. So right now there's, there's a bunch of dealerships that actually have, um, they're basically assigned as Porsche classic. They can work on your classic Porsche, okay. but they're actually looking to open it up to, um, be I, my, nothing's loading here, but to, they're going to do more classic restorations. So they're trying to, I think they're trying to siphon business out of all of these Porsche the restoration shops. Cause it's just like, it's gotta be like a total cash cow, um,
1: Yeah, well, then I'm sure just, like, the value of air-cooled cars now that's going up, they're trying to just embrace that.
0: And one more story here. I wish I could read more of that story, but nothing's my... I have almost no no internet. So this one is something that you actually commented on Um, when it happened. You showed me a picture of this Toyota truck... Yes. ...that had been basically singed and burned all down the side of the truck. The thing was melting, and uh, basically it says... um, Here's my Toyota USA commercial. This truck literally saved my life today. My little town of Paradise, California, was burning down around me, and the At Pandra apparently he's got his own Instagram for his truck got me safely safety got me to safety where I could help others twice. Thanks to firefighters, blah blah blah, uh, law enforcement, my fellow healthcare workers, and all the work we did getting the hospital evacuated and our patients to safety. So this guy was shuttling patients. So he kept
1: going back and forth into the fire and out of the fire in his what was it a tundra? Yeah. Um, and what's amazing, like he literally was going through fire because you can see the paint is just like burnt off the side of it. The bumpers and fenders are like melted. And I said at the time, cause we talked about this either last week. I don't remember when I was like, that's an awesome PR like opportunity for toyota they should just get on board with that and buy that person a new truck
0: right and he says suddenly a bulldozer because he was trapped like he couldn't move the truck was he couldn't he was stuck in the fire like he was gonna die and then suddenly a bulldozer appeared and knocked a burning truck next to him out of the way there was some room to maneuver but instead of going forward towards safety he turned around and drove back into the heart of paradise here's the aftermath of his tacoma and you see all the the melted taillights everything um After gathering supplies from the facility, Pierce and his colleagues worked to set up a triage in the facility's parking lot. Eventually, the building caught fire and forced the mobile operation to move. Um, He says, uh, we're terrible at burning to death, but we're amazing at taking care of people. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's good. Yeah. So basically, anyway, the truck is toast. Yep. And eventually, Toyota heard of the nurse's brave sacrifice and offered to give him a brand new Tundra and basically uh, uh, said to him on Facebook, Hi, Alan. We are humbled you'd risk your life and Toyota Tundra to drive people's safety. Don't worry about your truck. We were honored to give you a new one. Um,
1: which I think it's really cool that they just notified him via a Facebook comment.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, let's see. they want the social media. Yeah, they no, want the recognition of no, the I'm it's cool. It's well just deserved. like,
1: can you imagine reading that? Be like, oh, I new guess tr- I get a new truck. <laughs>
0: it says, though his truck will be. Uh, Replace Pierce is now without a job and a home, both of which burned down as a result of the wildfires. There's a GoFundMe campaign. Yeah. Blah blah blah. At the time of the writing, total of 44 lives have been lost as a direct result of the simultaneous wildfires, which has gone up to over 60 or 70 now.
1: I know because people are still missing. It's just it's terrible. It's, what happened it's out there. Absolutely,
0: I can't believe it's happened in modern society that something like this goes on. It just goes to show how powerful fire is. It's just yeah, just absolutely crazy. Um, that's all I've got for for news. Um, I do want to do this car, Craigslist car of the right, week. You better
1: get to it. We've been putting this off.
0: Yeah. So this one's been sitting at the bottom of the page for a while. It is a 1993 W124 500E. Um, and the 500E was actually assembled by Porsche. Right. I did know this. I did not know this. I'm actually going to see if this thing's still available. It is still available because really? I think it's grossly overpriced. Oh. Um, so it's... it's. Uh, <laughs> Well, maybe not. I don't know. It's in Portland. You can look it up. It's a 1993 W124 500E for sale. He's got new new photos in the ad now, though, so he might be moving along. So says, if you're looking at this ad, you know exactly what this car is. If you aren't aware of what makes this car special, these were built at the Porsche factory in Zuffenhausen outside of Stuttgart. They were assembled with wider front fenders, SL500 suspension and brakes, as well as a twin cam, 32-valve, 5-liter V8 from the same car. This is a factory hot rod in an era where a Corvette made 300 horsepower. Or less than 322 ponies in this car. Whatever this guy's. Nobody can type.
1: It th- made 300 horsepower, or AKA less than the 322 ponies in this car.
0: Well, yeah, he's. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's 500 of these imported. Um, this one is smoke silver metallic, or Jewish racing. Jewish gold. <laughs> racing gold. The power seats completely. Is that worked, offensive? Blah, blah. I don't know. <laughs> It just implies that Jewish people have money, which is a compliment.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Um, last owner, blah, 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 blah. The it leaks, it's got, here's the thing. How many miles does this thing have on it? Okay, it's $14,000. and
1: 351,000 miles?
0: <laughs> is that a
1: mistype? <laughs> no, because he talks about it later, too. Is it's got a good miles. Did you read the story of this? This is the best part. I'm the third owner of this car. I've loved these since they came out, so of course I bought this when it became available to me. Then I told my wife, you can probably piece the rest of this story together. What? So I'll, I'll admit, <laughs> I, I feel like wives are
0: thrown under the bus way too much. Yeah. This guy is blaming his wife because he bought a car that he shouldn't have bought in the first place is <laughs> my guess. However, I do every once in a while use my wife as like a, a tool to get out <laughs> of something. Okay. Yeah, I can't do that. My wife says I can't. Or oh, I got to sell it. My wife says it's got to go. When well, in it's reality good for it's just, like
1: a bargaining chip in Craigslist transactions, well I gotta talk to the wife before I can pull the trigger on this one. Yep, exactly. Well it's like being at a
0: it's like being at a car dealership and the salesman's like, yeah, sorry. I gotta, I gotta talk. go talk to <laughs>
1: the manager real quick. <laughs> I don't
0: know if I can do that price. <laughs> I gotta talk to my wife. I mean manager. Yep. So anyway, so he's he's working on bringing a trailer for it. So uh, we'll see where it goes. I think fourteen thousand dollars is pretty it's a okay. cheaper one of these. I think they go for more than this. Well, it's
1: 351,000 miles.
0: It's really clean looking. What a terrible color, though. That's yeah. the only problem. It is a really bad. What do they call it?
1: Smoke something? Smoke silver, silver metallic. metallic. With, yeah, it's not what I'd call that color. With,
0: with parchment interior. So it's tan and beige. Yep. Awful. Yep. Just, just awful. Anyway. Send us your Craigslist car of the week, and uh, we'll see if we can get it up <laughs> we'll here. We'll sell it for you. <laughs> yeah, we'll sell it for you. No, we got a couple other people who have sent me cars. If they're still around next week, we'll, we'll get them on and, and do that. But awesome. I think that's all we have for today. Um, leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you like this episode. Yep. Like all the other episodes, four-star and below are not allowed. iTunes does not let you re- re- uh, review less than five stars. I, was, like, so you I must... was looking at you as if that was actually a thing. <laughs> you must leave us a five-star review. Also, hit us up on Patreon.com. Slash Overcrest, ten bucks a month, five bucks a month. Support the creators you like. It's less than it's less than Netflix. And it's uh, true. it's, uh, it'd be really, really helpful and if you guys helped us out. And we'll send better. you some cool stuff. Yeah. Debatable. <laughs> Just debatable that we're better than you. You to than Netflix. watch
1: the things that my wife wakes me watch on Netflix. And you will agree that we are better than Netflix.
0: The, yes. Maybe you should hang out at my house more often because sure. we only watch good stuff. You know what sucks? And I, this is the end of the episode, and everybody probably skipped over where we started talking about the other stuff. But I hate that my wife watches kid shows uh-huh. on my Netflix account. Oh, so, so then, then all my trending like... now, it's like, it's, like She Ra and, and all these cartoons, it drives me absolutely crazy. So, my Netflix is super effed. I don't get Doc any McStuffins.
2: good
1: stuff Doc
0: McStuff. I get no good suggestions on my Netflix. It's a, it's a real bummer. On, on that, that note, <laughs> <laughs> we will see everybody next week. I've got some really great guests lined up. I have all these people that I want to have on, and they've all said yes. I just have to, like— Let's get them all on at the same time. Let's not do that. Conference call all of the guests. So just know that there's some really cool stuff happening, let and I'm sure I'll be able to let you guys know before it happens what's going on. All right, guys, we'll see you on— when? Next week. Next week. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>
2: Take care. Questi giorni quando vieni il bel sole. La 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 la. On days like these, when skies are blue and fields are green, I look around and think about what might have been And then I hear sweet music float around my head As I recall the many things we left unsaid it's on days like these that I remember Singing songs and drinking wine While your eyes played games with mine On days like these I wonder what became of you Maybe today you're singing songs with someone new. I'd like to think you're walking by those willow trees. Remembering the love we knew on days like these. Some days like these that I remember singing songs and drinking wine while your eyes play games with mine. On days like these, I wonder. Someone new. Questi giorni quando vieni, il bel sole. La la.